Hey, everybody, it's Andrea. Before we start today's show, I have a super quick announcement to share with all of you. Beginning in April, I'm going to be launching a series of college to career live weekend boot camps to help graduating seniors as well as juniors who are confused about what jobs or careers they might want to pursue when they graduate. So imagine going from confused to confident with at least three different career options you'd be psyched to explore by the end of day one of the boot camp. And then learning the tools, tactics, and the strategies to find those jobs by the end of day two. The boot camp is live and it's led by me over Zoom. And you can learn more about it at College to Career Academy. That's college, the number two, career dot academy. Or you can just look me up on LinkedIn and check out the featured section of my LinkedIn page. I can't imagine a better graduation gift for the college students in your life. Thanks so much for listening, and I know you're going to enjoy my next incredible guest. Hi there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or 10 minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career triple shot K-Cup with my guest, Dave Berwick. So let's flash back very quickly to when you were in college. You went to Middlebury College. I also went to Middlebury College, but you majored in history. What part of history did you major in? And did you have any idea what you wanted to do with that degree when you graduated? I mean, I tell you, I had no clue. I think it's funny. I started as a pre-med student, actually, in Middlebury. So I had a grandfather who had a, a very, very strong influence on my life. He was an MD and convinced me that I wanted to go to medical school. And so I started as a biology major in Middlebury. And I realized over time, as much as I liked science in high school, I was just through other things that I was more interested in. I ended up spending my junior year at the University of Edinburgh. And as you know, lots of Middlebury students get kicked out for, if not half their entire senior year, I'm sorry, junior year to go and, and study abroad. And I hadn't an epiphany there, which was medicine wasn't right for me. And I was more interested in, interna- actually, I was like an international business at the time. And history, I kind of backed into my history major because I came back from my time in Edinburgh and I had a, I changed my major so many times I had to make a final decision of what it was going to be. And I had enough courses in history to make it a history major. And in my, in my senior year, I had to basically do a junior and a senior thesis. It was quite a year. I think what drew me toward history, it wasn't just a kind of like a default, I ended up there. I love the idea of, I love the storytelling and I love the connection between people and their interactions, social history. I also did a lot of literature too. So I like to, my, my senior thesis was combining a writer and a historical period. And I really, I think I was 
drawn toward, actually really toward storytelling and human connection was sort of what I came out. But now what I was going to do with that, I had no clue coming out. No clue other than I had a great time. I'm glad that I graduated on time and I, I finally picked a major and then I was off into the real world. Well, P.S., I think you graduated cum laude, so you did okay, Dave. You really did. So what was your first job, and how did you get it? Yeah, so my first job, really, I guess technically my first job was, it was an internship. It was an unpaid internship in London, working for like a marketing consulting company. And I, I had such a great time in Scotland my junior year, and I had still had a lot of friends in the UK. I guess my goal was, wasn't very far reaching. It was like, hey, I want to get back to the UK and have some fun <laughs> and, and get a job. And, I, I, and through the Middlebury career site, someone had posted for this role working for the small business in London. I applied, did the interview on the phone and was accepted. It was like a six month program. And it was a great experience for me. It was sort of a management consulting company. I didn't get too deeply involved in some of the business aspects of it. I was kind of like a little bit of here, a little bit there. I learned basically about how business works. And I realized what I was doing in that job was a lot of writing. And, and as a, again, as a history major, I knew how to write. I was trained, I was trained to write. And I got this idea that when I left this role, which ended after six months, I wanted to work in public relations. I wanted to work in PR because I know you can write a lot there. And it seemed interesting to me. And I did a lot. Of, I tried to stay in the UK it wasn't easy at the age of 22 to get somebody to to get your work visa. Typically, that happens when you have some real experience to offer. And so I did find a role, but they couldn't get me a visa. But in, along the way, I met somebody who introduced me to the head of a PR firm in Boston at the time called Miller Communications, which was an early sort of high-tech PR firm that helped launch companies that nobody listening to this podcast would have ever heard of. Lotus Development Corporation, so Lotus One Two Three, Compact Computer Corporation. They were in this whole PC, this nascent PC industry, and doing some really exciting things. So I ended up really that was my first paying job was coming back to Boston and working at, at Miller Communications. And did you stay there for a bit? I stayed at Miller for about three and a half years, then I went off to business school. So I enjoyed it. I stayed long enough to actually to learn a lot, to make meet some great people, and make some great friends. But also realized, yeah, I didn't want to do PR for the for the rest of my life. You know, I wanted to do something. I wanted to be involved in brand building and marketing, but I wanted not just a sliver of that pie that was PR, which is really valuable. But I wanted to really be a brand manager and have more influence over the entire development of the brand. So and that is what happened. You decided to go to business school. You went to Harvard Business School, and. You got your MBA and you joined PepsiCo right out of B school. You joined the brand marketing division within PepsiCo, Pepsi, Cola, North America. And within four years, you worked your way up to becoming the brand manager and eventually the director of marketing around Mountain Dew. You actually spent five years focused on Mountain Dew. What did that experience teach you? Uh, it taught me so much. I think it, that was, for me, that was really, and you know, we kind of laugh about Mountain Dew and just a, it's a great brand. And it, it taught me how to lead a team. It taught me how to understand the consumer and, and how to talk to a consumer and how to, how to be relevant and inspiring to a consumer. And it, it taught me like one of the fundamentals of marketing for me, which is 
but the strongest brands have a positioning that's sort of rooted back to the product. So it's not it's not separate from what's inside the bottle in this case. It's really connected to it. So for example, Mountain Dew, now remember this going back in the early 90s, we know more about sugar now than we did back then. But it had, as a soft drink, it had a little more sugar, it had a lot more caffeine, and it was less carbonated than a Pepsi or Coke or other, other soft drinks. So the end result, you could chug it. And when you chugged it, you got that full hit of caffeine and sugar. And in essence, what the product experience was really about exhilaration that was sort of a result of the ingredients of the product, this exhilarating feeling, you know, chugging the Mountain Dew. Now, come on, who hasn't chugged the Mountain Dew and felt that exhilarating feeling before? And so, but when we built the brand out, we used, we gravitated toward action sports. And whether it be snowboarding, street moves, base jumping, all sorts of kind of crazy things. And we were really the first ones to utilize those sports and those athletes to embody what the brand stood for. And it really worked. It clicked because people, whether it was consciously or unconsciously, they saw that connection between the product experience and the sort of the brand lifestyle, if you will. And so I, that's what I learned. I and mean, I learned that when you can make that connection, you can really, you can, you can create something that's really special and powerful with consumers. And I was also very fortunate to be able to build a team over those five years that was really, that lived that life and were super devoted, talented, high energy, creative, that together we built this brand that in a short amount of time, I think maybe four years, had doubled in size for the company. Yeah. You led the development of equity building and the award-winning Do the Do. Do the Do campaign. I remember that. That was huge. Dave, I just have a few final questions for you. What advice do you have for our young listeners about how to navigate the bureaucracy and the politics of a big multinational like a PepsiCo, where you ended up spending 20 years and ended your tenure as the chief marketing officer at PepsiCo North America Beverages? I think... So I mean, once you have a job and you're in a company, I think you have to be true to yourself. You have to be authentic. Don't try to act like the person you think others want you to act like. Be be true to who you are. I think, you know, in the end, here's the thing. Like when you're building a career, you have to, or for that matter, life, <laughs> I think you have to rely on yourself and, and really no one else to get to be successful. And I think if you go in with that frame of mind, like I'm going to be self-reliant and I'm going to find a way to go after what I, what I want. And I'm going to prove to others that I'm capable of doing things and taking on more responsibility. And when you do that, by definition, you have people who are willing to sponsor you because they see that and they want to support you. And you attract those kind of those supporters along the way. But you have to go in just believing that it's going to be – it's only you. And everything else after that is is sort of a bonus. It, and you'll be able to build momentum on your own, and then it just it snowballs. And I think that it, it also includes when you're looking for a job. I think you should, you know, you should reach out to people. Like you might have friends or relatives who know somebody who knows somebody, and that's great. If you have any kind of connections through friendships or whatever, you should take advantage of that. But in the end, you got to remember you're the one who has to sell yourself. So you can't expect somebody to go. And anything to you. You got to you get the connection. You have to be the one to write the email, to, to write the note, to follow up, to pursue on your own whatever it is you're, you're going after. People respect that. 
I respect that. When I get emails from people that are looking for any kind of help, I prefer that than from somebody who's referencing somebody to me or recommending somebody to me. You got to take take it. You really take charge. Own your career just the way you have to own your life. And when you do that, I think good things will happen. Maybe not right away, maybe not all the time, but they will happen. Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.